0: Good afternoon and welcome to our Monday's podcast, brought to you by, of course, Equine Devil's Advocate. Now, the weather is actually really quite nice this afternoon. It is nice enough for us to be broadcasting from outside, so hurrah, given that it's nearly December, long may it last. Now, last Friday, I did tell you that this episode were going to be the final of the curse of Tutankhamun but I fear I may have told you a little porky pie. Unwittingly, of course. For those of you not of this land, England, you may well be saying, a what? A pork pie? Well, yes. You see, a porky pie is actually rhyming slang for a lie. Just a little unintentional one. You see, Hindsight is a wonderful thing, especially when it comes to horses, and though it seemed that the curse truly was broken, and it had come to an end, Tutankhamun was free of it, as was I, a question always lingered in my mind. In fact, it lingered for so many years, actually more so as I grew and got older. That unanswered question was, what on earth could it be that would turn such a genuinely fun loving, talented and kind pony into such a beast? As now, you see, he shows nothing but his true colours. He is brilliant, he is perfect, he is talented and he is a beautiful, fabulous child's pony what on earth happened? Why? And what could have caused the beast to emerge from this genuine little soul? You see, I don't actually have a definitive answer for you. A cut and dried, aha, that is what the cause was. That brought on the curse. I do have a slight inkling something that occurred to me actually after one last incident. But I thought, before I tell you of that last incident and possibly put ideas into your heads, I'm inviting you to put your thoughts forward. What do you see in this story? What do you think could have created the beast? And what was it, do you think, that put the beast to rest? You see, the fascinating thing about this amazing world of horses is that sometimes someone outside the picture looking in can actually see so clearly what is going on and identify an issue. And sometimes being in the picture means we can't actually see the wood for the trees, as it were. So people... This is by no means a trick question. There is no definitive right and wrong answer. It is open for discussion. And that discussion and debate is what we here at Equine Devils Advocate are all about. So please do go to the website www.equinedevilsadvocate.com all one word and choose your page. Hot Stuff. The possible cause of the curse. Biscuit the possible breaking of the curse. And Koya, both the cause and the resolution. So, yep, get your heads together and jump on your keyboards, type away, and submit. And, of course, there is um, Podbean, where you can leave your comments, and also Facebook, too. Which brings me back to my porcupine, because, you see, now the final episode Of the curse of Tutankhamun will in fact be on follow-up Friday at the end of this week. But never fear, there are so many more things to tell you. So let's begin. Now after camp it was late summer but still so much riding time before the light began to fade and winter set in. There came to our saddle club new horses and ponies and I met ...and made new friends. The first to arrive were two Dolman ponies... Hans and Mouse. Now, Dolman ponies are not often heard of... ...but they are in fact a native breed to Westphalia in West Germany... ...and they do live wild as herds. They were both a sort of silvery dark dun colour... ...with dark chocolate dorsal stripes... ...and thick chocolatey coloured manes and tails... The ponies are about 13 hands, and they're very compact and sort of strong in build. Hans, a little gelding, and Mouse, a little mare. Brother and sister, we were told. Now, it's actually quite unusual to have a mare, as mostly they are left with a herd, obviously to further the breeding stock. But, nevertheless, here they both were. And what fab ponies they were too. They were actually bought for the school for lessons, but as they were very new to the whole thing, myself and a couple of other children were asked to ride them to help them learn the ropes. Having learnt so much at camp, I jumped at this opportunity. Hans was adorable. I loved riding him. He was always happy and always tactile and inquisitive and gentle and always with such a smiley face. I don't know why, but I preferred to ride him bareback. I think perhaps it was because he was so very warm and comfortable to sit on, especially when his dense winter coat started to emerge. Mouse, on the other hand, was a little quieter in her personality. She was always sweet and gentle and very well behaved and nice to ride, but perhaps slightly withdrawn. I often wondered that, that she would have been happier perhaps still living with her herd. Perhaps that's where her heart truly lay, unlike her brother, who seemed to relish this new life and all this excitement and learning. But Mouse, she never showed that same sparkle, that real brightness in her eye, and I don't think I ever saw her really smile. You see now, I was actually moving into a whole new phase in my riding journey, I wanted to experience all these differences. I wanted to ride everything I could possibly park my butt on. Did I lose my love for Tutankhamun? No, never. Did I ever prefer any of the others over him? No, never. It was, in fact, just the absolute best of both worlds. And there was another new arrival, Tina was her name, wow, oh my, the most strikingly elegant Hungarian thoroughbred mare, bright chestnut, the finest coat, her coat almost shone a pale green in the sunlight, she was like a living porcelain figurine the definition of her limbs and the outline of each of her muscles as though exquisitely crafted at the hands of a great artist. I had never seen such a beautiful horse up close and personal. She was truly breathtaking. She belonged to a lady who had actually imported her. I believe she arrived on a train. This lady, her owner, had bought her unbroken and had done all the work herself, and I loved to watch them. When she rode, she sat so light and so still, and her posture was always in this perfect alignment, and her aids were so subtle, almost imperceivable. And that mare, she glided through her schoolwork in this exquisite, elegance. Where her hooves fell in the arena surface there was hardly a print visible. She was so light and athletic. An absolute vision. The best thing I had ever laid eyes on. And one day they were schooling in the outdoor arena. I was of course warping and staring and probably being completely fed up of me gawping, tag-along stalker-child. The owner turned to me and said, Would you like to ride her? What? Would I? Would I? Had to be the silliest question anyone had ever asked me. My head went into this sort of spasm, nodding up and down vigorously, my eyes like bigger saucers. And she said excuse the siren she didn't say excuse the siren she said go and get your hat then and I ran as fast as I could to the tack room jazz hands flailing boaa mouth wide open I'm going to write Tina boaa and so I did mind blowing now how to describe it How to translate that exquisite feeling into words? Could it be like floating on a cloud pushed by a gentle breeze? Or like floating in a sea of melted chocolate? I am actually lost for words, for once. But it was just heavenly. But the other thing, actually, for me was... Tina gave me this sort of a benchmark. It was like a feeling that said and described perfection. True equine perfection. I've never, never forgotten it. Did I lose any of my love for Tutankhamun? No. Absolutely not. Because the truth is, he had brought me to this place in my life. It was. He, who had, in the most bizarre of ways, made these opportunities possible for me, were it not for him, on our journey together, well, say no more. And, of course, there was still Olive, born to royalty, but in disgrace, and banished to West Germany, where I think she actually found her happiness. Rock-solid and unflappable She toyed with us, and we with her. Favourite game, how many children could fit on her all at once. The record was, in fact, six. She was a big girl. We would ride her in the indoor school bareback, and she would let us climb on, one after another, and then, when she had had enough, she would tip us off, gently, one at a time. If we tried to cling to her neck, she would shake us off with a big shudder. And when we were all done, we would take her back to her stable where she would go straight to her wrought iron corner manger in search of a snack. Her favourite snack. A poor, unsuspecting mouse that had crawled in searching for any leftover grains. Yes, quite often, Olive could be seen with her head over the stable door crunching on something and a thin tail sticking out of the side of her lips yes olive was a nothing if not unique hmm. now whilst hacking around the roads one fine day I was chatting way to Tutankhamun about probably how utterly delicious Tina was actually I think he was the only one that was able to tolerate my endless chatter and his beautiful little golden ears would always just flick backwards and forwards as we were hacking, we met Gudrun and Cindy. They were coming towards us from the opposite direction. There was a little girl on an enormous dark bay horse with a big white blaze. It was Cindy, the 17 hand Gilderlander mare that nine year old Gudrun shared with her father. Gudrun was German and Cindy was kept at the German riding stables, which was about 15 minutes' ride from our saddle club. I had seen it from the outside many times as we drove past, and it always appeared to be a rather grand establishment. There were very modern buildings and manicured shrubs and islands of grass that we could see. Some of them had pretty flower borders and this enormous outdoor arena with a white sandy surface. We said hello. Cindy and Tutankhamun touched noses and they blew gently on each other. Yes, a huge no-no at camp. But they instantly took to each other, as did Gudrun and I. So keen was she to practice her English, we rode together and struck up conversation. Do you know, I always marvelled at her confidence to just explore and try to use another language. Being English, you see, I was far more reserved to let her hear my version of German. We agreed to meet again and to ride together and very quickly we became such good friends. And Cindy, well, my God, what another extraordinarily special horse. She had such huge presence and was just such a gentle, calm personality she had these amazing huge clear walk strides and they played the most rhythmical tune as her shod feet hit the tarmac road and always how she carried herself in these beautiful high steps such presence and yet she would slow down her steps so that Tutankhamun could keep up and we could ride side by side to chat and experiment with each other's other's language Gudrun would ride Cindy to my saddle club and, with my little pack lunch satchel, I would climb onto her from a very high wall. I would sit behind the saddle and then both of us would ride her back to Gudrun's stables so that I could watch their lessons. My feet would be resting on her flanks and my satchel bouncing against her hip while we marched back up the road. But how amazing she felt, so broad and yet... So supple, her back would sort of swing from side to side with each definitive step of her hind leg. It was like the power in a wave that sort of lifts you and then gently brings you back down with the tide. It was utterly amazing and, again, so very, very different. I loved watching the lessons. I didn't understand a word, but to watch from the seated, elevated gallery eating my lunch was just awesome i used to watch mesmerized at Gudrun and sendy for this riding was a whole other world beyond another world you see we at our saddle club did so much fun stuff and at camp we did serious stuff and some fun stuff too but this this was something else entirely this that Gudrun and Sandy did was dressage, proper dressage. And what a special, special mare. Gudrun's little short nine-year-old legs barely reached below the saddle flaps, yet Sandy responded spontaneously to every slight change of balance, every slight feel of the rein, every misplaced legate of this short little German girl. And to see this horse, so focused, so attentive, listening so intently to every word of the instructor, to see her positioning in the shoulder fall, her balance in the collected canter, and to hear that music of her definitive footfalls echoing around the arena as she did two-time changes and canter half-pass and extended trot, never once did she lose that that way that she carried herself and always with this awesome presence, it just exuded from her. She was just utterly, utterly beautiful. Then, when the lessons were over, Gudrun would piggyback me back to my saddle club, empty lunch satchel flapping against her hip again, and we would collect it and come in Karmun so that we, all four of us together, could go bombing round the woods. What a lovely mare, Sandy was, and she undoubtedly is the beginning of my passion and love for warm bloods. So as we rode together and time went on, not only did we explore each other's language, we explored each other's equestrian world too. You see, Gudrun had never ridden a pony. Or jumped or played games or scampered around the woods or done any of the good old-fashioned stalwart pony club exercises like round the world and things that we had been brought up on and I had never parked my butt on something so big and forward and elevated and elastic with such beautiful definitive paces and so we swapped a lot and you see, the interesting thing about Cindy was that she was actually, she was a family horse. She was a father-daughter share. She was not competition horse. She was for recreational riding, amateur riding. And that level of precision and correctness was, in Germany, recreational riding. And by swapping horses at every available opportunity, Gudrun got to experience my world and I hers. Cindy got to experience the freedom of the countryside and the woodland and the silly fun games we children played, to which she took to like a duck to water, I might add. And Tutankhamun got to experience his ability to really dance, a skill I think he didn't even know he possessed until then. And through all of this, not a whiff, not a mere hint of the curse, was that beast finally, absolutely laid to rest. So, before we wrap up for today, I ask you all again, what do you think could have raised the beast, the curse carried by this Beautiful golden pony, and what do you suppose lifted that curse and perhaps laid the beast to rest? Do please let us know www.equinedevilsadvocate.com or Podbean or, of course, Facebook. And do not forget to join us here at Equine Devil's Advocate this coming Wednesday as we have another special coming out. It is a specialist topic question put forward by Claire in the US of A. The question is team racing, team no racing, or team both? We are, of course, going to be talking about thoroughbreds. Thoroughbreds and racing. A very divisive topic, as ever. So do please join us for that one as you will, of course, be invited to have your say. And let's not forget that we will be back again on Friday of the end of this week for our follow-up Friday and what will definitely be this time, I promise, the final episode of The Curse of Tutan coming. Until then, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, take care. And we will speak soon.